0: All right, so let's start like this. Um, question for you. Um, has there ever been a time in your life that you felt like you were going to go against the grain on something? Like totally against the grain. You were going to do something non-traditional, something totally against the grain. Example, uh, the rules say to do something, and you say, forget the rules, I'm going to do this. Has, any, has anyone ever been in that situation? Show of hands. Wow, we got some rebels up in the church here. That's awesome. So I remember back in the day there was this thing called MySpace. Y'all remember MySpace? Those of you born after the year 2000 won't. But there was this internet sensation called MySpace. Now MySpace at the time was the largest social network on the web. In fact, they were probably the first social network on the web. And it garnered many followers and members, one of them being me, and that was a proud MySpace member. Now, if you remember MySpace, those who were on MySpace were proud people. I mean, we were, we were a generation of people who were very proud of what we did and, and who we were, okay? And so um, it was all good. I mean, the land of Internet was great. You were MySpace. If you were in my top ten friends list, you were like my number one guy. I mean, you were like right there, okay? And it was all good until this new kid on the block of social media came around, Okay, this new this new social media thing came around. This new um, this new revelation that came around. This kid offered us secured networking, which is something that MySpace could not offer. I mean, people were getting hacked all the time; it was insane. Secured networking, more controlled viewing. You weren't getting all these crazy ads and stuff. It was what you wanted and who you wanted. They offered a clean, simple, sleek design. If you remember MySpace, you could customize your backgrounds, and some people. Just chose really horrible backgrounds on their, on their webpage, you know. But this one was clean. It was simple. It was crisp. It was a hipster type of format. It was popular among all the college students of the time. This kid's name was Facebook. Facebook. And thousands upon thousands of people, upon seeing Facebook, forgot about MySpace overnight. They totally forgot about what MySpace was. But no, not me. No, 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 no. I was a devoted MySpace member. I was devoted. I was not going to go and do what everyone else, I was going to go against the grain and I was going to stick to my MySpace profile. I wanted to keep the dream of Tom Anderson alive, your first friend on MySpace, Tom Anderson. You know who Tom Anderson is? He's the guy who invented it. He was your first friend as soon as you signed up for a membership there. I wanted to keep the top friends list to to stick around. I wanted those friends to be there forever. I wanted the customizable backgrounds. I wanted the really sleek, cool looking design in the background. And eventually I was sticking it out and sticking but eventually, I caved in, deleted my MySpace account, and joined the movement known as Facebook. And the rest is history. There is such a thing as going against the grain. Here's the thing going against the grain and going in a countercultural type of way is something unusual for us. And it's something unusual for us to do. But one of the most countercultural things that you can do is to become a member of a faithful local church. That is against the grain of culture in our shaky, non-committal age. Neither non-Christians or Christians are naturally inclined to find a place of worship to set down roots and make a long-standing, objective commitment for the good of everyone in the church. We see it in our lives every day. Nobody wants to get married anymore. Like, oh, pastor, I would get married, but if I get married, I lose my, my government check, and then, and, 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 I, and then what am I going to do? I'm going to get a job. You know, uh, uh, pastor, um, that you see people, uh, they're, they're so quick to, they don't want to commit to that. They don't want to commit a, to a long-term commit. They don't want um, to, they, they leave their jobs at the drop of a pen whenever something nicer comes around. Oh, I know I've been invested in this company for 10 years, but man, that, that job is offering s- these certain benefits, and, and, and I'm just going to leave this and forget the 10 years I've invested in this country I and mean, this company. I'm going to invest in this other thing, no commitment. People hop from church to church as soon as a disagreement happens or some type of boredom sets in. Like, I don't like the way that Felix played the electric guitar today. I'm going to get up and w- I'm going to leave the church. There's no commitment there. There's no long suffering there. I don't like the way that, that, that um, I was treated whenever my sin was, was confronted. So I'm going to leave the church and go to another church where I can hide my sin and be in the, in the shadows for a while until that sin eventually comes to light. No commitment to long suffer and endure the hardships of being in a committed relationship with anything anymore. No one does that. We want to keep our options open and above all preserve our freedom for choice rather than make a covenant, long-standing embrace of someone else in the church and to to stay there for the long haul. But what if we went against the grain? Like, what if we went against the grain and became part of the solution to the problem of being so noncommittal? What if you pledged your loyalty and engagement to a Bible-believing, gospel-cherishing local church? And you said, no matter what happens, I'm going to stick this through. I'm going to trust the leadership of the church. And I'm going to evolve myself as much as possible. And I'm going to allow God to transform me and mold me and grow me, and not into the man that I want to be, but into the man that he wants me to be. This week we're starting a new series called We Are the Church. And what we're going to do is we're going to preach through our ownership covenant. And if you've been to Impact City Church in any amount of time, you know we don't have members here at Impact City Church. We have owners because members have perks. Owners have responsibilities. And so as an owner of Impact City Church, there are certain things that that we expect that you would be living up to. And so we can either do it in a way where we have like a one-hour class, or I can give you like a 10-week series on this and really dive deep and get into some thick meat about this. And At the end of the series, we're going to have a chance to where if you want to become an owner of Impact City Church, we'll have a covenant signing day and and we'll we'll take up communion and we'll, we'll do it there. But off the bat, I know what some of you guys are thinking. I know what you guys are thinking. Why do I need to be a member of a church? Why do I need to be a member, a partner, an owner, whatever the heck you call it? Why do I need to be a part of this church? Can I get enough Jesus on my own from simply attending a Sunday worship service? And can I just supplement myself with podcasts and and video sermons online, which I'm pretty sure everyone here does? Plus, doesn't the Bible not even mention ownership or membership in the Old Testament or the New Testament? Isn't the whole concept of membership not even in the Bible at all? Well, yes and no. See, the New Testament makes no direct argument for the modern idea of what a membership is. But think about this. Think about this. The gospel's initial advance into a pagan pre-Christian world was a different situation than the situation we face today in the increasingly um, post-Christian society we live in the complexities of life to life in two different millennial or different and they vary so far it's totally different world because not only are we less inclined to make a firm commitment but our cities and towns are much bigger and church options are much more diverse making choices on the church buffet far more and more abundant than ever before we have options we have ways out So we think. So the need for commitment is even more important today than there ever was. To say that I commit my life to this body of believers. I commit my life to everyone in the room. I commit my life to this church to see it grow, to see it do something, to see it actually transform the city around us. I commit to this church is a commitment that needs to happen in today's society. The Bible may not directly mention church membership, but the New Testament assumes some form of committed, accountable belonging as a reality for every new follower of Jesus. Each Christian uh, has a definite place in a local belonging. And just like being baptized is to become a part of the family of God, it is also to be committed to be a family, part of the family of the church. John Piper said this. He says, in the New Testament, to be excluded from the local church was also to be excluded from Jesus Christ. I think there's some very, very deep words there. Because many of us see Jesus as someone apart from the church. But in reality, he is the groom of the church. And the bride is his church. And if you're married, you're one with someone. So to exclude the church and say, forget the church. I only want Jesus. It's to say, forget Jesus. I don't want anything to do with his love. And that's dangerous. That leaves you Vulnerable. So when I say commit, I really mean commit to the church. That's a sign, a covenant. It means to know the vision of the church. That means to follow through with it as well. So I want to share with you six reasons why we need to commit to the church. Now listen, I don't say you got to commit to this church. Just commit to a church and stick it out. Don't just date the church, but actually marry the church. Okay, now I can use a whole lot more analogies than that. But if you're taking notes, and I hope you are, let's go and go through these real quickly. Number one, a good reason to join a church and to be committed to the church is for your own assurance. Number one, it's for your own assurance. Being accepted into a membership of a Bible-believing, responsibly-led church gives us affirmation and reinforces the confidence that your faith is real. It means that your faith is Is real. It's not your own private, self-made religion with no one looking over you to hold you accountable. It's the faith that that was once and all delivered for the saints. This is what church is about. Jesus gives his church the keys to the kingdom of heaven, according to Matthew 16, 19. He says, And whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. Whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. Taking those words into account... It is no small thing for a solid local church to find its profession of faith to be credible. And your lifestyle and your conduct not disqualifying. And to accept you into membership just means that if the church says that you're good, then you're good. Because the church is led by God. And if you're welcomed and accepted into that church, and you continue to grow in that church, you know that your faith is is real. In short, an active member of the church means that you are the real deal. And that should be pretty assuring to you. Number two, it's for the good of for others. For the good of others. This is perhaps the most often overlooked reason for joining a church. Because in our society, we think that everything that I do should reflect me and what I want for me and what I do for me. It's our bad habit to be self-focused. And we consider every decision to be made for the, for the gain of yourself. But joining a church isn't like that at all, as, as you will see. It establishes a base on which we can reliably care for other people, being a part of the church. When you're a member of the church, you have a place where you can care for others. There are two sides to church membership. There is your side and everyone else's side. And we cannot keep others accountable for their own good to a covenant if we ourselves are not involved in that covenant. That means that I cannot preach to you about the importance of being a good Bible-believing Christian and living a life true to God if I myself am not even committed to the church and living my life out myself. It's a hypocrite. Because true love not only manifests itself in affection and action, but also in allegiance. When you're loving someone, You not only are going to show them by your actions and by your affections, but by your commitments. We cannot fully love our brothers and sisters in Christ if we withhold pledging our allegiance to them by coveting with them in the local church life. It would be the same as living with someone and never getting married with them because you're scared. You really don't love them because if you did love them, you would commit your life to them. Big difference there. See, love doesn't say, I love these people and do not need to covenant with, with them. It doesn't say that I love you and I don't feel the need to be in a co- committed relationship with you. Rather, love says, I love these people. I love this person. I love this church. And I love it enough to enter into a covenant relationship with them. Living the Christian life is, in community is more than just loose associations every other Sunday. But it is committing to one another to be there for each other when life is hard through sickness and in sorrow. In the times when you're in the hospital and in the times when your son's birthday is going on. In the times when, when the church is doing really good and in the times when the church is about to fail. This is when you, long, you endure long suffering with one another. That is what it looks like. It's what they did in the church of Acts. Acts two forty-four 44, 45. If you have your Bibles, look at it there. Acts two forty-four. It says, and all the believers, this is talking about when Paul was describing when the church first got started. The first, literally the first year of the church when Peter went up and started preaching and 3,000 people got saved. And it was awesome that they created the church. And it says this about the church, says, and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. And they sold their property, and they sold their possessions, and they shed the money with those in need. And it goes on to say, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. They were meeting also in the temple courts daily. And I remember my pastor, my, pa- my old pastor, David uh, Henneke, said this one time. He goes, they met daily. Y'all struggle to get here every week. You struggle to get here weekly. But yet these people met daily. It doesn't mean they were in the church building daily. It means they were in the homes Daily. They were living life together. They were not calling each other up and checking on each other. They were praying for each other. They were, they were doing hospital visits. They were eating dinner with one another. They were going to each other's kids' volleyball, soccer games, whatever it was. They were doing life together. That is a committed relationship with someone else. It says that the believers met together in one place and shared everything that they had, that they sold their property and possessions, and they shared the money with those in need, which basically means if you have a need, there is no reason why you shouldn't go to the church, not the church's main bank account, but the, the church, everyone in the room, and say, I have a need. What can we do together to make it through this and get past this? Basically saying, like, if you need a truck, take my truck. Take it. Just go do what you need to do. Bring it back. Just don't scratch it. Anymore. It means to say, like, if, if you're sick or you're hungry, we bring you food. There was no reason why any of us in the church should ever be hungry. As a church body, we band together and we, we, we commit to one another for the good of everyone else. Now, if you're not a member of the church, you don't get that. Like, straight up, it's not there. Because you're at home watching Joel Olsteen on TV thinking you're good. Sorry. We can edit that out. Being a member of a church is for the good of others because you live in community and you serve one another with love. That's what this church does. Number three, it's for your own good as well. On the flip side of that, on the flip side, you get loved and served by others as well. Not because of things you've done, but simply because they love you for who you are and what God has done in your life. And the people who will care for you at the best times and for the longest runs are those who are willing to commit to you. I can remember whenever uh, Ryan was, was young, uh, he must have been about, gosh, three, maybe three, four years old. And we walked into the living room and there was a, a bottle of extra-strain Tylenol tablets and on the ground and it was empty. I knew that we had bought that, that, that bottle like two days before I had maybe eaten about eight out of the 50 pills out of there. And I asked Ryan, where are the pills? And he smiled, and all this Tylenol was on his teeth. And it was a rush to the hospital at that point, Sarah and I. And the first person to meet us there was my pastor. The first person to meet us there. The first person to offer to take Zachary home while we stayed up at the hospital all night, while they pumped out Ryan's stomach, was my pastor. My pastor. The first people who, who came whenever Skylar was, was being born, and we had to rush her to the hospital, and we had Zach and Ryan, we couldn't take them to the delivery room. The first people to show up was my pastor. He took the kids to church that evening. They had band practice, and they went to McDonald's, and they spent the night at their house until my parents could come from out of town and pick them up. My pastor. The church that, that surrounded us whenever we decided to plant the church, and all the times, the hard times that we've gone through was always members of the church body. These are the people that stick with you. They stick with you. They're committed to you. They're always there. Joining a church also formally identifies you as part of the flock as well. So as your pastor, I know that you are committed to this church. In 1 Peter 5, 2, it says, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight not under compulsion but willingly as God would have you, not shamefully in gain but eagerly. And to which the leaders of the church should pay close attention to. Check this out in Acts 20:28. 20, you guys are going all over the Bible right now. Acts 20:28 20, says, "Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all of the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to care for the church which He had obtained with his own blood." And so for for me as your pastor and for the leaders of the church here, if you're a committed member of the church, you're in our flock. You're in our fold. We're going to invest more into you than ever because you are committed to the long-suffering of the church. That means that while there is lots of needs out there in the community, we try to meet as many needs as we can. I will focus more time as your pastor on members of the church. Not because it is more of a, like, it's like I'm, I'm favoriting these people, but it's because they are committed to the church. They say, I want this. I want to be here. I want to be committed. I want to show up. I want to be involved. I want to serve. I want to love one another. And I am suffering right now. I need some help. And we commit to those people. Just as committing to the church is good for you, it is also good for your leaders. Number four, it's good for your leaders. Being connected, then it is clear to the leadership of who is in their full, like I said, and it shows us who we are able to shepherd more intently on. In other words, joining a, a church helps the pastors and elders do their job. Can you imagine being a pastor of a church not having any members of the church? Who are you pastoring? Who is in your your fold? And consider this: It's difficult, if not impossible, to res- have respect and admiration for your leaders, as spoken in First Thessalonians five twelve to thirteen. Don't turn there, or to honor them as written in First Timothy five seventeen. Don't turn there, or as in, or to obey and submit to them as in Hebrews thirteen seventeen. Without without identifying yourself as part of their church one of the biggest ways i know you're serious about loving this church is seeing you make a committed relationship with this church by signing a covenant as a leader it blows my mind to see people come up and say i want to be an owner of this church i love that because it says i want to take responsibility i want to take my life and pick it to the next step with god i want to do something bigger and better but as awesome as it is for me to have you as a member Number five is also for the good of the unbelievers out there. Another good reason for joining a church is for the good of those who are not really there yet. Even those who don't even know Jesus. Because the truth is, we reach out and we show Christ better as part of a church, and as part of a stable community, than a lone wolf just out there sharing the gospel. John 13, 35 says, By this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. There is no Lone Ranger Christianity out there. The Lone Ranger Christian does not make the best witness for Christ. Rather, someone who is grounded and has a home and is part of a solid covenant community of support is best prepared to draw others into the kingdom. Take this for instance. I'm not doubting or putting down one-on-one discipleship or evangelism. No, we need that. But where do you go from there? Let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you about all the great things that he has done. Great. What do you do from there? Man, go into your house and watch that guy on TV and just stay and, and do that. You don't need to commit to a church. Or is it better to say, And Jesus loves you. He died on the cross for you. Let me show you where there is eighty other people who believe the same way, who can help you endure hard times, and can come alongside you and walk with you in love and endure the hard times of life. That is better. It is better because also when you look at the, the, the Bible, the disciples went out two by two. Jesus never said, hey, Peter, go out and witness that guy because he knew Peter would screw it up. You know, he would say, Peter, take John or take, 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 take your brother or take one of the other disciples. Y'all go together. That way you hold each other accountable and do things together. Okay? That's what it meant by going together two and two. As a church, we are better as a team and together as one. So recapping, the reasons why we should join a church are for your insurance, for the good of others, for your own good, for the good of your leaders, for the good of unbelievers, and finally, for your own perseverance. Finally, conv- uh, being in a covenant with others will not let you wander away from the gospel so easily without pressing hard into your life and drawing you back. There's called, it's called accountability. Jesus says, the one who endures to the end will be saved, Matthew 24, 13. And so in the church, the way this works is that as as you come into the church and you become a part of the church, you're committed to the church, you become part of community, you become part of a small group of people who are living life together. When you start to struggle, the group notices it. And because they love you and because they've walked the life with you and because they've probably spent many a night's Talking to you, and many of meals are around the table with you. When they see you, they know that there's something wrong. I can tell you that those who are in my missional city group, those who are in our small group, I know when something is wrong. I can see stress on their eyes, I can see you know worry in their hearts. I we see this and we pray for each other and we endure it. But if you're not part of a church, you're on your own, kid. Not only that, but there are going to be times when you stray away from the gospel. I can tell you I've been a Christian for, gosh, over, over 10 years now. And there are times that I feel like I stray away from Jesus at times. I may get caught up in something else. My mind may wander. I might get distracted by something else. And it's always the men around me bring me back to Christ. Or Sarah, and she's pretty, she's pretty darn brutal about that too. But being part of a church helps you endure the long haul of life. If you're out there on your own and you start going against God, you start sinning so you get into a relationship that you shouldn't be in, or get, so you start getting into addictions that you shouldn't be getting into, that's gonna draw you further away. And if there is no one there in the church to help bring you back, and say, I love you, you're being an idiot, but I love you, come over here, let's work this out together, you will eventually totally leave the church. But being a part of a committed church does not allow you to do that. Because, you know, I love you more than that. We love each other more than that. We stand by each other better like that. The purpose is always restoration when that happens, though. I can tell you as as your leader as your leader I've had times where I see someone going so far away from the church that I have to go out there and I have to be a little bit hard on them. When I say you're being dumb, this is stupid, you got to go back to your wife or you got to drop that you got to drop that addiction, and you got to stop doing that or you got to leave that computer screen whatever it is. The purpose is not to condemn people. The purpose is always restoration. God is often pleased with to use the difficult means to pour out his, his striking grace on us. See, I've been in accountability partnerships for years and years. And all the hard conversations are the ones that make me grow more and more and more. The times where we sit across the table from each other and we say, how are you doing, how are you doing? And at the very end of the conversation, we ask each other, did you lie to me today? And sometimes the people lie and they say yes. Yes. And so they lie and say, No, I haven't lied to you today. But it's in the moments when they say, Yes, I did lie to you today. Let me confess what I'm doing wrong. And we hold each other accountable. I do it too. I have a great pastor friend of mine, Mario Casada, that, that just grinds my gears every time I meet him. Hey, bro, you doing good? You staying true? Everything good? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You know, and he just digs into me pastor pastor david pastor david david hit my mind. same thing he'll call me every once in a while. hey man how's the church I'm doing good. are you leading it right leading it well are you doing the right things those are the type of men that you want in your life women those are the type of women you want in your life not the women who are going to be your friends and let you do the things that you want to do but the women who are going to be your elders and guide you through life the right way being committed to church does that for you so let me close with this: What is being committed to impact City church look like? Where we have a a leadership uh, an ownership covenant that literally just covers ten basic things that Christians go through, and part of a church that if you're living like a Christian, you should meet these ten things. One of them is: Are you saved? Are you uh are you, have you fallen uh, follow uh, into submission to God? Are you baptized? Are you have you shown that faith to others? Are you committed to the church? Are you, do you promise not to gossip about the church? Do you promise not to, not to do these things about the church? Do you promise to submit to leadership? Do you promise to serve the church? Do you promise to be in covenant relationship with the church? And as the next couple of weeks go on, we'll discuss those things, and then we'll even discuss them further into missional city groups. We'll discuss what we talked about on Sunday. We'll talk about it on Wednesday, Friday, and then whenever we can. We'll talk more about those things. But ultimately, our goal is that you will end up at the end of this series signing a covenant of ownership here at Impact City Church. And I simply ask that you would give me the chance to show you our heart, our vision as your leadership here at this church. I'm going to end today with a plea to you. That we are fixing to enter an exciting time of the church as if this wasn't exciting enough. Now more than ever, we need everyone to step up and commit. One of the ways that we need people to step up is in the children's area. Listen, our kids are number one. If we do not have a good children's area, we are not being good Christians and parents. We have to commit and, and invest in these kids. So we're asking people to step up and serve. The other way we're asking people to step up and serve is in prayer. We need tons of prayer. One of the things that you might notice is we don't have a worship leader. Amanda's awesome. I'm decent. Jorge's great. Jenny's great. We're not professionals. Amanda's close. But, you know, we've been praying for someone to come along for over a year and a, and a half. Or so and we're still praying for that person to come along. So be, be in prayer for that. Be in prayer for the different ways you can serve. We have a welcome team up front that needs to be filled greatly. We have people in the sound area that we need things to do. Step up and commit to the church. And listen, this church is God's plan to reach the world around us. There is no plan B. If we do not be the church that we need to be, then the job will not get done. He, he has a community to reach out to Treyway, to reach out across the street, and to reach out all over to the apartments and the people in this neighborhood. to reach out to the Hong Kong market next door, to reach out to Murdoch's like we did on, on Easter Sunday. Me and Ted went and sat at the bar for a while and talked to the, to the bartender and gave her a plate of barbecue chicken. That's what the church needs to be doing to reach out to the Chinese massage parlor. But we all know what happens there. We need to be the church that is active and is not afraid to do things like that. So as these next couple of weeks go, I, I pray that you would see my heart. I pray that you would see my passion, my vision, that you would get a, a, they would let it catch fire in you, and you would commit to the church. Would you join me today in prayer? And we'll pray, and we'll take up the offering, and you guys will be dismissed. Father God, we thank you so much for today. We thank you for your body, the church. And we thank you for dying for the church. And we thank you for, for what you have done, the blood that you have sacrificed for your bride. God, forgive us for the times that we do not step up like we should. Forgive us for the times that we wander away. And Lord, we just pray that there was, that, that is you here today. If you have wandered, if you have strayed away, you just know that there is love for you. There is a love in the arms of God. There is love in the arms of his bride, the church. And that we are a church that will welcome you and love you. Lord, I pray that for those Christians who are here in the church, those who are already owners of the church, that you would just strike a love and a passion to do more and better things for this, for this community around us. And Lord, above all else, I pray that you would just provide for this church, continue to, to provide in the ways of, of finances and providing the ways of talents and time and people. providing all the ways you see fit. Lord, we offer up this offering to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. All God's people said, amen.